0: Welcome once again to another lovely episode of Idiopod. I am TJ Stone.
1: I am Shane Glover.
0: And today we're talking with our good friend Ashley White. It was a good conversation. It was
1: a fantastic conversation. She's a uh, a sweet, sweet person. Uh, has a really cool story. Um, just a, a background of you know growing up with her mom and, and, and being raised in in part also by her grandparents and. Just a sweet spirit. and uh,
2: Humility always comes to mind when I think of
1: her. That's right. She's got a lot of stuff in the works as far as um, doing some writing, doing some uh, both creative writing, songwriting, doing some uh, recording of some music. Uh, She's got a lot going on, and uh, it was just a great conversation.
0: So we think you will enjoy it. Uh, Always check out her music, Ashley White. Uh, and if you like this episode, want to listen to more, you can check out all things Idiopod at Idiopod.com. Like, review, subscribe. But for right now, we'll take you to our conversation with Ashley White. All right, we are here live on the
1: Idiopod. We back. And better than ever, I guess. (laughs) Hey, great day. Great day. And we got something special today for you. Who are we? I guess you should know who we are by now.
0: Yeah, I'm Shane. Shane Glover. I'm TJ Stone. And we're here with our friend, Ashley White. Ashley, how are you doing? Hey, A.K.A.
1: Ashley Blanco.
3: I've confused half the world, and I'm very proud of it. That's great. <laughs> right. Are you half Spanish? No, I'm just from Texas. <laughs> oh, no, well, so you are Which I'm means, yeah. yeah. I've got an opinion on Spanish food. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Mexican sure food, not Spanish food. Yeah. Let's yeah. face it. It's a little different sometimes.
0: Spanish-speaking food. Spanish-speaking food. Now, do you call <laughs> it Southwestern food, or do you call it <laughs> Texican, Tex-Mex? What do you call I've heard so many things. That's a, that's a
3: lot of options. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Tex-Mex. I've never heard is of where Texican. Is that me thing? neither. That, I feel like I've that's what people that from Oklahoma would say. I kinda like, Maybe. It's kind of
1: like. It's kind of cool, name. Texican. Texican.
3: I've actually but I'll heard name
0: my future dog. Like second generation or first generation Americans from Mexico sometimes and certain parts of the world apparently call themselves Texicans. Interesting. That feels about right. Yeah. 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 So whereabouts in Texas are you from?
3: Uh, the Dallas area, more specifically Garland. If anybody knows Garland, where that is, Texas. Garland, Texas. King of the Hill is based off of it.
0: Oh, I love King of the Hill. Oh, yeah. Bobber. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Dale. <Damn. laughs>
1: I can't do the voice. Yeah, we terrible. And we move on. Yes.
0: <laughs> so tell us a little bit about growing up and like what was it like as a
3: a young little whippersnapper, Ashley White, in, in Garland, Texas. <laughs> Um, So it was me and my mom. She is single mom, I am only child. Um, and we moved there when I was probably like five years old. I was born in Alabama. Um, parents got divorced before I can remember. So I think mm-hmm. at the divorce, mom and I moved to Lubbock, Texas. The only thing I remember from there is seeing the lion king for the first time, Aww. um, which I feel like matters, <laughs> That does a big matter. part of who totally I am, matter. um, the first time I heard Elton John, um, oh, <laughs> and yeah, so sure. technically, um, so we moved from Lubbock back to Birmingham, which is where I remember making my like first memories of like ballet lessons and peanut butter crackers. Right. Um, and like messing up gymnastics recitals. You mean peanut butter
1: on crackers, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Like nah. they were the reward after Not we finished a class. Peanut flavored crackers. Oh, gross! No, no. That's some voodoo Perfect. stuff right there. That is.
4: Get that out of my face!
3: Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the peanut butter in between the crackers. <clears throat> Anyways, Um, so then. When I was like four or five, my mom's dad had a heart attack, and so we moved back into Dallas. I think we moved Mm in um, with her parents for a while. They're my grandparents. That's how family goes. Mm. Um, And just grew up there. Um, I think we lived with them for like a good three to five years. I could be really stretching it because those childhood years right. seem really long. Yeah. Um, but I like a back- And week. you find out later,
1: we lived there for like three months.
3: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't cleared this up. Yeah. I'll go on a road trip with my mom after this and then come there back and edit. <laughs> um you go. But I, w- I remember waking up almost every morning to my grandma playing piano and she oh, would play like hymns and stuff. Special. And so she, she was just like, I mean, my mom is the youngest, and therefore I am, like... My mom, I think, is 11 years younger than her next sibling, so me as the baby, I am legitimately the family baby. So grandma was on, like, her A-game with me. Um, so you got
0: all the doting, all the attention.
3: Oh, uh, Definitely. I definitely don't have any issues around that. I'm um, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so... Yeah, she, she would, like, take me to Furs every Thursday was her thing. Uh, and I would get the mashed potatoes and then ice cream. Like what is Furs? It's like a old-person buffet, basically. Oh, my ca- God. Or say, cafe. Where do you get mashed potatoes
1: and ice cream? They had
3: before. an ice cream machine where you get ice cream uh-huh. for free if you get the lunch buffet. Yes. And it's, like... Good old American food. Nice. Um, and I'm pretty sure you know it's like the retirement crowd, but I lived for it on Thursdays.
1: There was a place you guys ever heard of Ryan's Steakhouse? Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. I was just there like a month ago. Oh yeah. for real? I haven't been there. There's one near Riversgate Mall. Oh really? Yeah. I don't think I've been there in I would say 20 years. Mm-hmm. But we grew up going there, and uh, it was a buffet, mm-hmm. and then they had ice cream. Yes. Self serve ice cream and they had for the toppings as part of the topping buffet they had a little um you know like cookie crisp yes the cereal they yes. had those oh, I remember and it that. was probably my favorite dessert that i've ever had in my entire life nice anyways
3: so yeah super off the it was not it was on the subject, <laughs> no, that on just, the subject. yeah that's important but yes yeah. yeah, so grandma um Just took me around, was musical and just kind of witty grandma. She would hear the songs I randomly write while I performed them for her in the front yard and sit in amp piles. Um, How were you when you first started writing songs? um, I think I remember making one up in the front yard when I was like six or seven. Um, Just because I was like, I had just seen The Little Mermaid or something. And I was like, It's me. Mm, I'll do it. (laughs) Look at this stuff. Red hair, too. Uh, connection oh, yeah. Yeah. i definitely was like i'm a redhead and i'm really good at swimming lessons i'm also really lazy uh, i was like <laughs> i am ariel but i didn't stop talking enough to really that. make that land because mm-hmm. at some point she loses her voice and <laughs> it doesn't suck that much yeah she gets right. legs though legs or a up to you. Yeah, that's a metaphor. We don't want to go there. Yeah, that's tough. That's ooh. tough. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I'm just. Which would you too pick? this? Nope. Oh, that's <laughs> actually a good.
4: That's question.
3: a commentary on womanhood. <laughs> I'm like, what? we can edit Yikes. all this out. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. Uh, um. <laughs>
0: okay. So you, you mentioned that uh, your your dad, uh, your mom and dad divorced when mm-hmm. you were young. Did you really have much of a relationship with your dad growing up? Mm.
3: Not really, he moved around a lot and I think we had a little bit of back and forth when I was little. Um, and so, I think later on in life, he would like come, later on being like probably elementary school, he would come to Dallas around Christmas time every year and I think it would take me shopping on Christmas Eve or something mm. and that became a thing for a while. Um, but then it stopped I think around middle school. Mm, um, his family is still in Fort Worth. Um, so a little bit close. I think one time I went with his family, um, and just Christmas was like a thing I really enjoyed with my mom at that age. And so I didn't want to stay like the whole night. And so, um, I think there is like another plan he had in his head that day mm-hmm. and it just didn't happen. And you know, kids, yeah. unpredictable. <laughs> yeah. If you,
1: if you can recall, cause sometimes I struggle to recall thoughts and feelings mm-hmm. of my childhood. What was your... Overall thoughts of this man was it out of sight out of mind or was it like what's the deal with my dad?
2: Mm.
3: I think there is a lot of romanticizing it. Like mm-hmm. since I watched so much TV and so many movies, sure. mom was like a like working mom, so she she'll say it like half the time the TV was my babysitter.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, and so I think I thought, oh, he loves me so much, he's just busy, he's just not here, I don't really know why, but yeah. like, like he's madly in love with my mom and they'll get back together and then we'll have a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, at least like the most childlike thoughts sure. were that. And I think, I, I just kind of took it for what it was. I was like, I don't really know why this is, but it is. And it doesn't seem like it is for some other people, but. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think a lot of my generation, if you will, like grew up without a lot of dads. So yeah. it was mm-hmm. kind of normal. I had a lot of friends raised by their grandparents and a lot of friends mm-hmm. with single moms, especially single moms all gathered together. So sure. yeah. any friends I made were the product of my mom. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, they
0: create the village around, around the kids. Totally. So, yeah.
3: yeah. So I think I just took it for... Like, oh, this is it. And he got remarried whenever I was, like, 15. And I think I was like, oh, oh, that was an option. Interesting. Okay, we're not in the parent trap. Dang it. (laughs) I really thought, because Lindsay Lohan was a redhead. Uh
0: (laughs) So there was always that seed of, like, holding out hope of, like, Mm -hmm. oh, they'll they'll eventually figure it out.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I would say so.
0: So... What, what was the switch for you kind of uh, emotionally? Because 15, that's, that's a big age, big mm-hmm. turning point age, a lot of stuff going on for, for all youths. Mm-hmm. But for a young, a young woman who's, you know, they say in psychology that, that you're always kind of like the first male role model fi- figure you have. You're trying to kind of match to that or use that as a, a measuring stick mm-hmm. when you're starting to have feelings and, and look for your own person Mm -hmm. so i'm just curious if that was at all an influence and like because you didn't have as much face time with your dad did Mm -hmm. you didn't mention grandfather did did you have a really strong relationship with the grandfather
3: i my grandpa was awesome um i think because of some dad stuff i wasn't sure how to be close to men at all especially in authority so with grandpa he was like I mean, the most honorable guy, wore the same overalls every day, worked at, we called it the Friendship House, and it's like where all the stuff is that we can give to people in need, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he had like a a truck that is still famous in my kind of large suburb, Um, and Yeah, just, like, this old, rusted Chevrolet truck. And he just, like... He was so funny. One time I locked my keys in my car um, in high school, and I just remember him driving up and wagging his finger at me, saying, no, no, no. And he was so funny. Was such a good guy. Um, would like... He was half deaf because he was in the Air Force. And so I'd wake up to Grandma playing hymns and go to sleep to Grandpa blaring the Rangers game. Um, Aww. <laughs> and, and he was a great cook, like... Just all those things, but I don't think there is ever much of a like emotional connection made because I, I'm sure there's something psychologically happening with me as a kid that was like, oh, I don't get to like emotionally connect with men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like they they'll be around, um, but I'm not one of the girls who gets to like be loved by mm-hmm. them and love mm-hmm. them. Dang. Um,
0: that's a hard message to receive as a as a kid.
3: Yeah, and I I think it's. Maybe I just like over over expected a little bit of what that love would feel like mm-hmm. and so I didn't get to receive what it was. You know, yeah, I think yeah. it was just I think I just didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Like mom was affectionate and love and loving and great um but worked really hard and so I think when it came to like receiving love, I was a little bit like, oh, this kind of feels like taking from people. Like they mm. work really hard for you, so like make sure not to uh-huh. ask for too much else. But mm. make sure you're like really easy to love and like be enjoyable,
4: because
3: yeah. um, that's your job. And like you can be that. Um, so
0: that make you, know. you kind of uneasy with sharing like what your needs were and, and just, you know, what what you felt like you you needed didn't feel like it was. As important as what the what the collective what the family unit at that time needed.
3: Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Just didn't really feel like it. um, I guess mattered too much. It was just like, or I didn't know how to speak it out, or it was too immature. Like I think in my teen years, I would start to try to speak something out, and it would just feel like I was being young or selfish or something. Mm. Um,
0: Were were you told things that made you feel that way or you just kind of felt it at a gut level?
3: A lot of times I just wasn't listened to. Like, it's mm. a bunch of Texans just talk loudly to one another. Right. Um, and I don't like raising my voice in groups of mm-hmm. people. If there's two conversations going on on both sides of me, I usually sit there quietly. Mm. It can be six people in a row, and these two people are talking, and I'm with this person, and the um, two other people to my left are talking, and I will mm-hmm. not talk to the person next to me because my senses are overwhelmed. <laughs> gotcha.
0: Um, Do you um, know your Enneagram number? I don't want to make this the Enneagram uh, podcast, yes. but...
3: I am a um, six wing seven. Okay, mm-hmm. that and makes then Myers Briggs I was really into in um, college, and I'm a S as far as the like sensing or intuitive goes. So mm-hmm. very sensory driven person. Okay. Um, ESFP. I think whenever you put all of the three mm-hmm. or four letters together, that's mm-hmm. math about. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so you read a room very well, probably.
3: Yes, but not like not intuitively. Where it's like, oh, this is the emotion going on. I just immediately read a lot of body language and even the temperature of the room, the volume of the room, the smell of the room, um, the taste of the water in my hand. I always have to have something in my hand. Um, For those of you listening, I have coffee in my hand right now.
1: That's very All that's very five-ish, which is not your Mm -hmm. uh, preferred wing. I don't know if that's the right word or not. Um, But it is. The other side of the wing. That's a very five thing to do to kind of take take a room in and evaluate.
0: Yeah,
2: mm.
0: yeah. I
1: relate to that because as
0: a seven in health, I go to five, so mm. I understand the anal- analyzing aspect of, of that. But so it was interesting the thing you said about having to have something in in your hand. Is that almost mm. like a grounding thing? Like just like as long as I'm holding this, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know things are okay.
3: Pretty much, yeah. It just gives me <laughs> very Ricky Bobby. Like it just gives me something to do with, do with my hands. Do yeah. my hands? So you know, it's like I, it's just yeah. it's just a thing. Like I have to walk in having something in okay. order to just like be like, hello, I'm comfortable. <laughs> um,
0: and yet, so. I've seen you sing in in the worship band at church a lot without anything in your hands. Is that mm-hmm. a different vibe? Like you go to another place where you don't have
3: to. Have that? I'd say so. I mean, my eyes are also closed the whole time. Um, In that space, I really just get to be like fully myself. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, close your eyes, and like, I'm very sure, like, I am made for this, and I feel so at home here, and I always have. This is the first place I ever felt at home, Mm -hmm. and so I love, I love that like experience of getting to commune with God with the people you're communing with, and like bringing. I I hate even saying like bringing them along but just setting this space and being like welcome in Mm -hmm. like we're so happy Mm -hmm. you're here sure um and so I just feel so free there and I don't have to be guarded at all I can mess up I can miss a note I can do whatever and like it's not I had a friend once tell me like God is the one who controls what comes from your mouth and into that person's ears and like Everyone is coming from a different vantage Mm -hmm. point and God is the center. So like whatever you do, just make sure like you are coming to God with your vantage point Mm -hmm. and not trying to like manage everyone else's (laughs) Um, because God controls that conversation and he is who he says he is to them and to you.
0: That's an awesome way to put that. I don't think I've ever heard it articulated quite, quite so eloquently. Um, so have you always felt just like in your groove, like this is the safe space when you're at a church singing for the Lord, or is it just in specific spaces?
3: Hmm. I'm trying to think. I mean, I've had all the stumble over yourself moments growing up. <laughs> <Right>. We all <laughs> um, do, sure. Yeah. It has always felt like the safest, like, okay, Ashley gets to like do what she does like I would get like little choir solos growing up and that was always really fun and Mm -hmm. I just felt right um but I started leading worship my like senior year of high school um me and my fellow seniors kind of threw a coup with our youth pastor, <laughs> and we were like, "Take back the worship band!" And so there's a little bit of like six oh, loyalist energy going in nice. there. He had like started leading worship band, doing the message, and I sat him down and I was like, "This is a little much, buddy." Um, Seriously, <laughs> it was a weird thing, Super but weird. he was he was coming from a space where it was a different mm-hmm. thing, and we were coming from a space of I've seen so I've things. seen
1: lead pastors that do that, and there's nothing. More awkward than that.
0: Yeah, and having to transition from, okay, let yeah. me take the guitar off yeah. and then put
1: the other mic this on. This guy
3: didn't even have a guitar, he was just like singing. Mm. And I was like, This is weird. So and weird, man. we like That'll we it, bro. I know, I know. It's fine. <laughs> we he was coming into a pretty broken space yeah. but like he was pretty broken too. And yeah, here we are. Mm. Um, we all made it out alive and I got to lead worship. Uh- <laughs> yeah.
1: That's actually a good one thing I was thinking of it's a good transition is what what was as you got into your later teens, mm. high school, all that, what, what, were, what were you passionate about? What did you enjoy doing? Or mm. what brought you joy at that time in your life?
3: I was definitely church, choir, music girl. Good old Texas, baby. Oh yeah, so much Texas. <laughs> um, all things church and choir, mm-hmm. everything else takes a back seat. Um, did you grow up
0: Baptist? Or? Yeah.
3: Yeah, Is there anything else in Texas? Um, Watermark? Not not much. The rest of the... Joel Osteen? Um, That's about it. He's okay. Yeah. He's great.
0: Love him. That's just everyone in Houston. (laughs) Oh, right.
3: Good gravy. Good point. What a time. What a time. But yeah, grew up Baptist and I think I loved trying to think there are so many youth group things I like loved. Mm-hmm. I was totally that girl who I was pumped to be at church. I was pumped for every event, pumped for every church camp. I loved the pursuit of God. No, yep. like, and it didn't feel that of course there were legalistic things I did. <laughs> um, but it just felt really pure and my heart was so drawn towards it. And like mm-hmm. music was tied in with that. Um, And so I loved every minute of it and just, like, wanted it all the time. Um, Probably to a point, there's probably some, like, I'm an only child with a single mom and these people are all married (laughs) Uh and have functional relationships and we're all together. This is my family. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was very necessary to, like, my upbringing Mm -hmm. and everything about me. That church became my family because any friend I had became family. It's what an only child does. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, you make your own family.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it was just the most special thing for me. And my, my youth group was like kind of in crisis throughout my high school years. And so as a six, I do actually really connect better in crisis. Hmm. Um,
0: in crisis, how? interesting.
3: Um, just we were going through a lot of youth pastors. And then that guy who I talked about came in around my sophomore year. But from eighth grade to 10th grade, yeah. We were in between youth pastors the whole time. Um, And so there was something where I became loyal to these people and I had a reason. We had to stay together because we were all we had. Mm -hmm. Very teenage melodramatic. Kind kind Um, of like
0: people that go through war together.
3: It felt like it, yeah. You know, the Baptist wars. Um, (laughs) Church wars. Um, (laughs) I just had a whole thing in my head with that. Anyways. um, But yeah, I think because there is that need for us to stay together that was so much more of a reason for me to connect that there is a little bit of crisis happening where it's like if we fall apart like we fall apart mm-hmm. um and with some of that baptist teaching of eternity is then tied to it uh, mm-hmm. i think there is right. a little bit of shame and fear totally, probably totally, mixed totally. in um i don't give that too much credit because it is such a beautiful part of who course. I am, I feel like. Bless it. Um, yeah. Like We re- we reframe you. We honor you. Yeah. You mattered. Bless the um. broken road. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, God bless. We got it. Uh, we're going to make millions. Uh, <laughs> no one's
0: ever thought of that.
3: No way. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I was also really in love with Rascal Flats <laughs> in high yep. school. Yeah, who was Huge on Rascal Flats. <laughs>
1: now so. Dan and Shay. Man,
3: they're my... I don't even know who that is.
1: You gotta hear Dan Shea then. Okay. He's. Quit everything. He's very Gary levox esque.
4: Hey. That's well,
1: two guys, right? Yeah. A duo. yeah. Yeah, but the main singer is. He's ridiculous. I bet you've heard it and maybe you just didn't
3: know it. Yeah. I hope so. Potentially. Because I'd be sad to miss that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I get in my mind, in the mental picture I get, which could be so way off is when I hear you say I was an only child and, you know, single mother. Had a single mother. Mm -hmm. You weren't. You weren't a single mother. I get this, like, movie going in my head of, like, you and your mom because you have, you know, you have road trips, you have moves across states and Mm -hmm. you end up moving in with your grandparents. It just feels like I've seen that movie before. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is probably you know glorifying it a little bit and probably not realistic but did you have a sense at all of like me and my mom versus the world were you guys that kind of a thing or more of like uh this is a grind
3: Hmm. I think there was a little bit of me and mom against the world Mm -hmm. and then a little bit of reality set in once I turned five or six, where mm-hmm. mom was working later hours to take care of me. Sure. I was in daycare and was usually one of the last kids to leave. Um, and mom was really tired.
4: Yeah,
3: <laughs> um, She like, she worked really, really hard as I grew up. And it was fun to see her like set free after I left for college. Um, she really set me free too she was like Mm -hmm. yes go 10 hours away my dear daughter (laughs) I'll come visit you that's cool um she's yeah she's awesome but I I don't I don't know if as a kid it felt like that for too long Mm -hmm. I think it started to feel like maybe yeah the grind of just like okay this is what it is Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna like survival mode a little bit Mm. um I do think there is a lot of that
0: Sure, because mm. usually that movie that, that you're referring to ends with uh, 18 moving away, usually mm. far away.
3: Yeah, and mm. somebody's met the love of their life and has right. like a golden retriever that will never have any problems. Yeah, that's it. And it's a solid movie. <laughs> it is. I've seen it a
0: few times. <laughs> so what? where was that transition for you? Because I know you did end up moving away. What what led to that?
4: Mm. Um, so... I
3: think when I was a junior in high school, I went to this camp. um, It's called Super Summer, and it's kind of like the Super Christian camp. So you have, like, your youth camp, and then your kind of almost youth leaders will be going to Super Summer. And it wasn't like they weren't picked out. They got to sign up, but it's a much more intensive camp where it's, like, a lot more concentrated time, not Mm a ton of, like, playtime or free time, Mm -hmm. but a whole lot of, like you're going to learn scripture and like pray with people and like really get into this. And so of course I loved it. Um, cause I was really awkward with free time. <laughs> um, so at that camp, usually at the end of each week, um, they're like, Hey, if you were called to ministry, let us know. Um, and I remember feeling at some point, I was like, God, I really want to, do music but I yeah. want to do it for you but I have no clue what the words are for that and this girl who I had been really jealous of because she brought her guitar and could sing Switchfoot and all the boys loved her mm. she was so good um, she was uh. saying dare you to move and she let yeah. me sing a verse and I forgot the words it was horrible um but she gets up and says I think I'm being called to lead worship and I was like oh my gosh those are the words (laughs) and so I kind of feel like I stole her calling in my brain but in reality it was just God saying oh here you go um but I was like oh I want to lead worship um how old were
0: you when you had that
3: 16 and so came back for my senior year of high school and started leading worship and um got a lot of really sweet feedback from friends they are like hey it's really different when you do this like I think it's something you should look into and blah 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 Hmm. so when um, looking into where to go to college I didn't really want to go to a Christian school because I wanted to see people choosing their faith a Christian school felt like a contradiction to me (laughs) I was like I don't know this doesn't like if you're going to school to be a Christian I don't know if you're actually a Christian like I don't want to live at church I want to go there and like be like be a part of it um, hmm. Wish so. I would have thought about that. So. <laughs> I was just a little. So I went skeptic. to Liberty. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, uh, Liberty is pretty some of my favorite people. I met my um, wife
1: there, so we're all
3: good. Yeah, that okay, worked it out. And I went to public school and did meet my husband, so here we are. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but so I wanted to go kind of to a public school and do something in like music business or entertainment industry that wasn't directly like worship leadership. Mm. So I had looked at Belmont, actually. Um, and was really, really considering it, and then realized it was 30000 a year, mm-hmm. and I was like, something doesn't feel right. Like, I don't feel settled with this. And so, actually, kind of a little bit of full circle, um, my mom had found this university in North Alabama that I went to, um, ended up going to. And an old family friend of ours went there and did kind of a similar degree to what I wanted to do and just like spoke really highly of it. And at the same time, my dad moved back to Huntsville, Alabama. He had been all over the country, moved back to Huntsville. And so knowing that I had a parent and a guardian, guardian, um, Mm in the state, I would get in-state tuition, and it was already one of the cheapest schools in the nation. Oh, nice. Uh, and so everything worked out. I did not want to go to community college That's for two crazy. years. Everybody with a sane mind was like, just go to school for two years for free. And I was like, no, I'm getting out of
0: here. Um, That's so was interesting like, that God w- sort of wove back your father into mm-hmm. the story and then made that be like the way that you got to go to a good school. hmm
3: yeah. It was, it was the sweetest thing. Um, and so I would like stay up at night looking at pictures of Florence, Alabama, where the school was and just looking at everything. And it was beautiful. And my mom and I went to go visit um, on like a weekend, but we had to leave after school. So we left Texas at two and got to Alabama at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> um, and drove up to um, the campus and just saw the fountain. That's like right Mm -hmm. in the center, lit up, and it was beautiful. Then I woke up in the morning and it was November. And I'm from Texas, so we have like two days when it comes to fall. (laughs) Um, Like two and (laughs) a half, maybe. Uh. Um, And then. I woke up in the morning and saw the fall leaves just everywhere oh, and man. all the colors, and I fell I so hard in love with this town. Um, and so I was just bound and determined to like go to the University of North Alabama. They were starting up. I would be a part of their first year, I think, of their entertainment industry
4: um, program.
3: Oh, that's cool. And then I would minor in music. So I would still get to do choir and all the nerdy choir things I loved. Um, but I would get to major in basically going to class to learn about the Beatles and Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. So I just got really obsessed with this town and ended up there and it was like the answer to a whole lot of high school Ashley prayers. It was a really good experience.
0: And that was close to the Muscle Shoals mm-hmm. area?
3: Right across the bridge. Yep. So Muscle Shoals, Muscle Shoals, is actually a really boring town. um, mm. <laughs> um And then across the bridge, like when you drive into Muscle Strollers, you're like, huh, this is where all the magic happens. (laughs) There's a Hardee's. And then you cross the bridge to Florence, and it's like this really sweet um, downtown area. And actually, I'll probably need to Google this and fact check myself later. But the fame studios started across the bridge in Florence and then they needed a bigger space. So they moved over to Muscle Shoals and so oh, that
1: makes more sense.
3: Yeah. And so it's all, we call it like the tri cities, I think. And so it's Florence, Sheffield, um, Muscle Shoals and Tuscumbia or quad cities. So Tuscumbia, I can't talk anymore. Okay. That's can, a hard
1: word. It is a hard word. Um, Does that end with V E A H?
3: No, Tuscumbia. Oh, it's Columbia. where Helen Keller um, was oh. born and raised. And so you can go see her house and it's all this stuff. And it's really cool. Sheffield um, is kind of like now a little bit more up and coming and lots of fun stuff happens there. Then there's obviously Muscle Shoals and then Florence. Hmm. And so all of that area, I think if we put it under a blanket, we'll just call it all Muscle Shoals. Um, but I feel like we're really proud to call it Florence if we're from there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So did you find your tribe in, in college in Florence?
3: I totally did. I found all the super Christians who went to college ministry every single night. Yeah. Um, but we didn't have to go to chapel for school, so it felt like we were choosing it. Totally. Um, but I got really into leading worship. I had a friend who had given me like a little box, and she said, Hey, this is your prayer box. Just put something in it, um, and that's you like physically giving this to God. And I remember... The night before I moved, I was like, I wrote down opportunities to lead worship and I put it in the box and I kind of never prayed about it again. I was just like, I give this to you. I really, really want to do this. Um, And on my second day, I got asked to lead worship every week for a ministry that I was going to.
0: That's really cool. Mm -hmm.
3: And so, yeah, I just got a lot of time to learn and grow and mess up and laugh and pull all-nighters in college.
0: It's important at, mm-hmm. at, at those ages, mm-hmm. specifically. So, how did you go from Florence to Nashville?
4: Oh,
3: with my, with a lot of kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had said anywhere but Nashville, specifically anywhere but Journey Church. What? <laughs> Why um, is that? Because I was a big All Sons and Daughters fan uh-huh. and did not have a lot of cool before I moved to Nashville. And had like met David and Leslie a couple of times at shows, and like been a little weird because I was so nervous about it. Um, so you didn't want to go
1: journey because you didn't feel. Cool I didn't want to
3: wa- go to Journey. I, I didn't want them to think I followed them. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I will not be the that girl who follows, funny. and then like David sees me from the stage and he like stops. <laughs> I'm like, not that I make that much of an influence in a room, but like, but I was like, I will not follow my favorite band. Like I won't do it. That but it was like, funny. it was known in college. Like Ashley loves All Sons and Daughters. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Um, and I had seen the I had like the live DVD of their live. Um, album. And I remember watching it one day and praying, God, can I be there one day? Can I Mm. be a part of this? Um, And of course I like prayed it and threw it away. And then here I am like driving up on a Sunday morning. And I was like, anywhere but here, anywhere but here, anywhere but here. Oh, it's bright. Dang it. Um, But so I had looked everywhere else. I had looked in the Seattle area at Mars Hill (laughs) right before everything kind of hit the fan. Um, And I was in conversation, and then one day it abruptly stopped, and a few weeks later, a lot of the stuff hit Relevant Magazine. Right. Um, (laughs) One of
0: Amanda's friends was the accountant
3: there. Oh, what a time. That
0: was a mess.
3: Oh man, That's Christians, tough. am I right? Uh, <laughs> but but totally. so I had looked there. I had like swallowed my pride and said I'd go back to Dallas and intern at a big church there that I liked a lot. And I had missed the applications by one week. I um, had inquired and gotten like two steps into a process of maybe interning in. England, in a small colony Mm. called Colcheth, Colony, not the word, village, Colcheth, England, which is in between Liverpool and Manchester and, like, maybe... 6,000 people are there. Wow. I'd be really shocked if that That was actually. Yeah, but it was like at a cafe that they were also doubling as a church. And I was like, I'd love to come and intern and lead worship. And they're like, we've actually been really needing this. Um, And they told me to go talk to my pastor and like figure some stuff out. And for some reason, I had such a fear around that. Um, Why do you
0: think that was?
3: uh, Fear of male authority. Mm. Um, (laughs) When actually he and I became really close, and he's like just a dear authority figure in my Mm -hmm. life and is so so very transformative that pastor was incredible in my life um but before i had inquired about the england thing i had like all my options were flying out and i had to find an internship to end my college time um and they were really kind enough to say like oh sure you can do a church internship (laughs) which i realize now is very weird that they let me do um and so um I had emailed David and Leslie once, and then I was like, they're on tour. This is stupid. So I found Brett's email and emailed him, and he had told me, he was like, "Um, it looks like some other people in the church are applying right now, so I'd advise you to look for other things, but thank you for reaching out. And I was like, righteous. Got that? It went out of the way. And then a week after I had – Skyped with the people in England to like give me the next steps, Brett emailed me and was like, Hey, actually we'd be really interested in furthering this conversation. Like, what what do you want to like tell us your call to ministry? Tell us about yourself. What's your story? And there's all this journey language coming into my inbox that I had no clue how yeah. to read. He was like, So what are you <laughs> wanting out of this? Growth, what does growth mean to you? Growth. <laughs>
0: growth. And this growth. is Brett Maybury who yes. who we interviewed in yes. another episode who I believe they were calling him like the worship pastor at that Mm. time before he headed up the arts collective.
3: Yep. Yep. That was in a very, very early stages of the arts collective. And so all the things worked out. Um, and I ended up moving here. I don't think Brett knew I moved. <laughs> I think oh. he thought I had, like, found temporary stuff. And so, like, he and I were sitting at a restaurant for my first lunch, for my first day, and my mom was unloading the U-Haul at my apartment, and I've cried the whole way. Um, <laughs> and he was like, so, how's it going? And I was like, we're...
1: Well done. Yes, yes, yes. Nice. He's
3: Australian. Um, but I was like, yeah, my mom's unloading the U-Haul. And he goes, you moved? And I was like, yes, <laughs> Brett. Yep. Yeah, I'm here for the long haul for a nine week internship. Uh, wow. I moved here because I was not going to commute two hours every day.
0: And was the internship for like helping kind of start up the Arts Collective or? What it was, was more it so for?
3: for the worship um, team. I would say I was going to help a lot with youth stuff, and I actually got to journey and Journey Youth hadn't done musical worship for the entire summer. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's I remember. <laughs> I showed up and I was like, oh. Never mind. That's when I met you for -hmm. the first time. Yeah. Because I was a youth leader. I was a bundle of depression and anxiety (laughs) and it's very funny to see (laughs) my life now in regards to the girl who came in Mm. in August of 2015.
0: So So after that internship, what happened? So that was for nine weeks. (laughs) You moved here. Yep. Didn't have a job after that. Mm -hmm. What was the transition there?
3: Halfway through the job, I had gotten, um, or through the internship, I had gotten a job in the kitchen at a coffee shop in town making waffles. Um, nice. <laughs> cried a lot. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. I got a lot of free coffee. Tear-stained and some, waffles. Tear-stained waffles. You'd imagine, I mean, they taste great. Um, so I was there for two months, and the internship ended, and I was still doing that, and I eventually got a job um, at another coffee shop that I was at for a year, and I... That put me like right in the center of downtown, if y'all know where it is, it was Frothy in downtown Franklin. Yeah. And so I it essentially felt like I was still a little connected to Journey staff, though I was no longer interning, everybody had their meetings there, everybody mm-hmm. was there all the time. Um, and so that became a space for me just to kind of like work and make money and figure out my life, um, but also connect with people really, really well. Um, we had a really pretty sweet staff at the time. It eventually went downhill, but, you know, all great empires die. Um, <laughs> um, and then just have turnover. Um, sorry. Um, and so, yeah, I just started to, like, reconnect and kind of, like, recompose there. Um, and I think there were, like, many a time... And I don't think I ever considered moving back to Florence, Alabama, but I think there are like so many almost little community shifts i almost made in that first year but mm. that loyalist in me was like stick it out figure yeah. it out like it's worth it your heart resonates with this still like you'll know when it doesn't um,
0: and this was around the time the journey church was going through all the changes they uh, kicked yeah. out of the factory they were without a home mm-hmm. they were meeting in three different places at one point <laughs> mm-hmm. the pastor yeah. was
1: having his own Crisis. personal struggle yeah. yeah yeah that's right
3: yeah and uh, it was, it was a time, but it kind of mirrored a little bit of my high school experience of I connected more with my youth group because we were in crisis. Oh. And so there is something where I was like, I can serve a purpose here and I have space to like root in because there's crisis. Mm. Um, and whether that's a healthy or unhealthy thing in my personality, I've yet to go to counseling for, um, <laughs> but I think it's both. I Mm-mm. think it's like, I almost feel like I trust a place more if it starts out with crisis rather than like starts out really good. And then there's a crisis because you're waiting Um, for the
1: other shoe to drop. Totally. Yeah. Too good to be true. Maybe. Yeah. hmm. And
3: so, I mean, I, I remember driving up to journey the first time I ever visited and my friend was like, Oh, this is your place. And I thought it was like a spiritual Disney world. And I was like, they're speaking my language. I don't feel like I'm having to like edit the sermon in my mind. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I can breathe during worship. Like, everything fits for the first time and I always just thought I was reading too much into this. I always thought I needed too much, my expectations were too high, but this is like, my heart is at rest here. So I still got that from Journey, I still did the cry in the back for however long thing mm-hmm. while interning and trying to like pick up the communion bread uh, and like wipe it down before everybody came back mm-hmm. for the next service. Tear um,
0: stain communion bread, also salty and delicious.
3: Uh, so you know, and gluten free. Um, da da um, da. But it was kind of like, I felt like I was a part of something immediately and I didn't have to like sift through like, okay, what's actually going on here? I felt very honest and like Brett told me multiple times, he was like, if you choose to like do this with us, know that you're coming in in a pretty turbulent time. Like there, nobody sugarcoated it for me. And in that I was like, I can be here, <laughs> I can stay. Hmm. And I had the freedom in that to wonder and to be mad about it sometimes and to not approve and to not like it and yeah. then to, like, to be, to just be Yeah. however I would be in that day.
0: That's <laughs> a process. Mm-hmm. And were you able or were you afforded opportunities to still be involved in worship all throughout this transition?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So youth started to slowly, like, bring worship up a little more and... Um, I would, um, I play piano too, I don't love doing it all the time, but I would start to just do that a little bit more than even sing, Um, and it became a really sweet space for me to like connect with myself to Mm. a point where I don't even know if anybody, a lot of people at Journey didn't know I sang until like two years in, Mm. Uh um, where I like sang one song in a gathering while like the youth band was leading worship because it was after a camp, Um, and so it was a space where I just got to be like, I was involved in the worship team still, but I wasn't so prominent and needed. Like we were all kind of in crisis with what was going on at the church, but we were together and they got to know me before they got to know me musically, which was very yep. different than a lot of my college experience where two days in I'm the main worship leader at a ministry that leads totally. every week.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, and so I got to, I got to really, really learn and take a lot in.
0: So at what point did Ashley White the in budding indie artists start to develop and become a thing.
3: Oh man, she hid in her bed for so long. Um, oh man. Right before I had moved I had like recorded an EP or like demos for an E P and had a few songs that I really liked and tried to do um, a crowdfund thing for it and it failed. Pretty miserably, mm. so I was kind of defeated on like my artist stuff. Whenever I walked into Nashville, and I didn't want um, David mm. and Leslie to think I followed them to oh, yeah. make make mm. it in music. And so mm. and I like I think the only person who knew I wrote songs um, was my friend Caitlin, who came on staff at the same time I was interning, and she's still the worship designer at the church. Um, and so. I remember one time, like she and I hid in the back of Building Eight and like played songs we had written for each other. Sounds like high school. Uh, promise, we we're in our twenties. <laughs> the emotions.
0: High School Musical, the church version.
3: Hey, oh, that could that could sell. Mm. Um,
1: Trademark, youth
3: group musical. <laughs> oh. Someone's yeah. done that. They've had, had to, to have, have done that. They,
1: they harp on everything, that the world. <laughs> Produces in order, in order to be relevant
3: yeah be in the world not of the world amen but is Zac Efron cute the answer is yes Hondo. And amen Hondo. <laughs> Hondo. <laughs> oh my gosh but um yeah I I think I tried really hard to like not let anybody know I wrote songs hmm. and I was really meek about it one time Brett did like an arts collective night for songwriters and I remember one of the guys, like, really saw something in me and continued to encourage it and point it out because he's very outspoken. And he thought I was so uncomfortable with him, but I was really just uncomfortable with the fact that somebody saw me Mm. in the space I felt the most like myself. Mm. I haven't told him that, so he'll hear it later. Um, (laughs) But um, I also met one of my best friends that night, and she and I got to write a song. Um, And she and I went on our first ever tour together. Like, that friendship really blossomed out of that space um but I think I just didn't even know how to start recording how to afford it who to do it with like sure it just felt like I jumped into a pool that I was like I don't really know if I got the right floaties on for this um Mm -hmm. and so January of 2017 I want to say um I talked to my friend from college who lived here a lot of us from college actually ended up moving up here so the community just shifted um
0: that was probably very helpful for your circle.
3: Super helpful and helped a whole lot and still helps. Like I still talk to my Florence College community that's up here almost every day, um, if possible. Like they're just soul, heart and soul people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I talked to a friend of mine about recording a hymns record with him and being like, I just wanna start with hymns and like my version of hymns because I love them and like it'd be great. Um, and so we had gotten together I think and talked about it and made a plan maybe even recorded one demo um and then i think at church one sunday morning we, we were at the new building but we didn't have permits to be inside yet so we didn't do service we just set up the tent and had food trucks and they were like come check out the lawn of this new building good luck finding a parking place that
0: was like right um, before easter wasn't it
3: oh gosh it might have been yeah it might not have been january it all kind of blurs but uh, the beginning of 2017 regardless yeah, yeah. um So I had come in with, I had some friends in town. We came in. It was a whole lot of people. They ran out of coffee, and I was having a lot of social angst. And I was like, I'm going to go to a coffee shop down the street and come back. So I left, got coffee, and came back. And almost everyone had left. And as I'm getting out of my car, I hear someone yell my name, someone who I do not hear yell very often, just goes, Ashley. Um, And I was like, what is going on? And I look over, and David Leonard's walking towards me. And he just gives me a big hug, and he goes, Ash, when are we recording a record? And I was like, uh... I kind of blacked out, and I was like, I'm not sure you know what you're talking about. I was like, what are you saying? He was like, nah, man, I've heard your voice, I've heard your songs, like, it's time. Like, I know I want to do this. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, can I send you something, and you make sure you know what you're saying? (laughs) Um, And I I told him, I was like, I'm already talking to my friend about something. He goes, nope, you're doing it with me. And I was like uh you're a popular guy dave like you got stuff going on Uh, um he was like i don't care let's do it whenever you're ready come talk to me and i was like dang okay um and the guy
0: that you were already a fan of and mm -hmm. sort of followed to church whoops Um, by accident yes
3: he had had so many moments of seeing me though over over my at that point I guess we were on like one and a half years Mm -hmm. in town like he had seen me heartbroken he had seen me come to life he had seen from afar so many things and he a lot of my really close friends worked alongside him and so like he just God gave him I guess words in that moment that I really needed Um, and so I think a couple weeks later I looked at him and I was like hey Dave were you serious about that and he was like yeah come to lunch with all of us and so after church we went to lunch and he was like set up a day to come into the studio and we talked about it and it took a few like months of like conversation and planning um but i went in there and recorded my first three songs um like i think he thought i wanted to do the hymns with him and i was like no i want to do like my songs Mm -hmm. with you and so it was it was flawed on my part like i think i look back on that girl and i'm like you were so scared (laughs) Um, But you did it. Um, Rightfully so. But so it was just such a sweet experience and a lot of my like dear friends got to be a part of it. Um, And so it just felt like an EP I got to make with friends. Um, And it finished off like I got the final mix of a song that was on the EP I had recorded in college that I wanted to record with um, the crowdfund money that failed mm-hmm. the first song on that was the first single on the ep okay. and i heard the first recording of it like mixed and mastered in the statue of david museum um in florence italy Oh, because so um, cool. that was on the arts collective another trip. florence yes and so we went that song was written actually wow this is very full circle so hallelujah love is the name of the song and i wrote it um the first Sunday of January, my friend and I had driven from Florence, Alabama to Nashville for the 1115 journey service because I had been talking to Brad about interning and I wanted to come see the church. So we left at like eight o'clock in Alabama and got to the 1115 service. and it was great and it was wonderful. And then we went to a friend's show that night and drove home. And at some point, my friend almost wrecks the car because she neglected to tell me that she has really poor night vision. Oh, wow. And we're driving on like back roads in a yellow Volkswagen Beetle. Um, oh, and I'm like, God. we're going to die. Um, that's a so fun roller coaster. Yeah, wasn't it though? So she says the words like, sometimes my eyes just don't see. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and I was like, that's oh, fine. Your cool. favorite
0: thing to hear from the passenger seat. Yes.
3: Yeah, so I was like, I'm too tired to drive right now, but sure. <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. I was like, I went to church this morning, so I think I'm going to be okay. So I get home around one o'clock in the morning. I had just gotten a new keyboard for Christmas and it was on the floor in my room. Um, Because I didn't have the stand, hadn't come in yet. Mm -hmm. And so immediately I just hear, though my eyes do not see, you promise to guide me. Um, And immediately, Hallelujah Love was one of those like, you write it in 15 minutes flat and it's done. And I heard my neighbors like pounding to the ceiling (laughs) because it's like two o'clock in the morning at this point and Ashley's writing a song and the keyboard is on the ground. (laughs) Um, So, written in Florence, Alabama, inspired by my first interaction with the place I would go and the first time I heard it in um, its completion was in Florence, Italy, That's so looking nice. at, at the statue sure. of David.
0: That's so, an idiosynchronicity, it right? It sure here. is.
3: <laughs> there you go. So it was cool to see it all come very, very full circle, like yeah. every moment connected. Um,
0: That's still my favorite song I've heard of yours. Thank you. Such a good song. Thank it's it's going to be heard by a larger audience at some point. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, it's beautiful.
3: Thanks, guys. I really love it. It doesn't, it feels like a gift to me more than it feels like something I've written and it's opened the door for a lot of like really beautiful conversations mm-hmm. wherever I end up playing it. Um, and it just, it it is such a gift and I'm just really happy about it. Mm. Um, but so yeah, I did that EP and um, I guess a part of the story I skipped is mom, being as supportive and wonderful as she is, saw that um, the frothy job started to kind of take a down downhill spiral mm-hmm. and started to get really unhealthy. And so mom was like, "Quit your job. Let me pay your bills. Um, you're my only daughter, and like this is the time. Like if you're gonna Dang. pursue something, like nice. this is it. Like we are nice not having brilliant. to pay some of these other things yet. So like let's do it." um so so and another
0: cool idiosynchronicity Mm -hmm. is not only did david leonard record Mm -hmm. your first ep but you're working for the other all sons and daughters
3: yeah i am yes so leslie became my small group leader when i first moved to town because journey had like mixed up the um, small groups to be neighborhood centered for all of a month and and in that time thanks aaron Really yeah, I enjoyed
0: that. I thought he had a whole system, and then he left and went to Charleston. Yeah, that's tough. That was our first small group. Was out of that.
3: It it was it was interesting how well it worked, um, and my village ended up staying together for a pretty long time. Um, but I remember I had no clue I had moved around the corner from her. So I'm trying not to follow her to this church, and I'm trying not to follow her to Franklin, Tennessee. And I live around the corner from her. She's my village mm. leader, and here I am. Um, and so um, I entered into that village and it took a few years um, for a connection, I feel like, to actually like settle out. But she has become, like, mentor and friend and just one of my favorite people along with one of my, like, heroes. Um, yeah. But she's just very, very dear and near to my heart and trusts me and champions me to do things that I wouldn't think I could do. But she sees it and she, like makes it a point to like pull it out of me um that's awesome yeah it's a huge gift
1: her and thomas good people man
3: huge fan huge fan so so unpack just a little bit
0: in the last few minutes we probably have here what what you do for mm. for leslie and her company what is the company what mm. is that about
3: mm-hmm. so um she and a guy named Chris trey co-founded a nonprofit called the fold and um Kind of Leslie's backstory with it is she um, had got this book called How the Light Gets In Writing as a Spiritual Practice by Pat Schneider. She read it, was obsessed with it, and um, Googled the author. And turns out this woman is an 82 year old um, workshop leader, wonderful author, human being. Um, and she hosts workshops in her house in um, Amherst, Massachusetts. So Leslie invites her mom to go with her to a workshop and they go and Leslie is the youngest by like a solid 30 years <laughs> um, but she just becomes really inspired by this whole practice and essentially um, Pat started this um, writing practice writing method practice whatever um, called the Amherst writers and artists method so AWA method I have heard of that mm-hmm. Holy cow. she's kind of a big deal. And so it's very prompt driven writing and it's all um, with a vision to help the artist and the writer find their original voice. Mm. And so they're like these five um, kind of foundations in each of the workshops when you're in that method where everything is treated as fiction. Um, um, No criticism. We're, We're pointing out like you have the option to share what you've written. And then when you share the group is, um, Obligated is not the right word, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, there to give feedback, but like what's strong, what stays with you, what stands out. We're encouraging the original voice and it kind of brings in this whole new way of listening to one another. And so, and it's creative writing, it's not songwriting based. And Leslie had never done any kind of creating, creative writing stuff. Um,
0: that must have been a heck of a workshop she, she went to. She was so scared.
3: Um, but she. I think she said she didn't share till like the last day of the workshop. Um, but Pat's advice to her was, um, it's okay if you don't share. We'll never pressure you to share, but make sure you write because you'll miss out on something if you don't write. Um, and every time I hear Leslie share anything, I think it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. She just has a really, really strong voice. Um, but so she came back and was really fired up about this method and got certified in the training um, and wanted to bring it back to Nashville and work it into um, songwriting as well. And so she started doing, um, she started like using the method sometimes with our village. And so the first time we ever did it, it was like a props thing. Um, She just like unloaded a bag of stuff and you picked one to two, three things and then wrote for 10 minutes. Um, And it was just really, really special. And so she started, Um, with Chris, um, to plan to do these like workshops and then, um, provide retreats for songwriters where the songwriting retreats look like open the morning and open the time with a workshop and then you, or with a writing prompt and then go and write a song with some of these people. And it's just kind of weaving in between, Hmm. um, and that creative writing can unlock a piece of you as a songwriter and that original voice and what you want to say, um, that maybe just going into a co-write normally couldn't do Mm -hmm. because I think everybody can, especially in Nashville, come in knowing how to say what they want to say, but they don't say what they want to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: That's where the craft and the head gets in the Mm -hmm. way of the heart.
3: Yeah. And so, um, the fold has been going for like two years now and I think right now we're in a little bit more of a, like, all right, sound the alarm. Like we're out here, y'all. Um, so I run the Instagram for it. Um, which means I get to be a part of like the online community and just getting the vision out there. And I have just accidentally ended up in this space where I provide a lot of prompts. So mm-hmm. I'm making up a lot of prompts. and um, Or just like I'm always getting to learn. Um, mm-hmm. And I love it so much and it's just a really cool way to connect with people. And um, you start to see everything as a prompt. Yeah. So like the gray on the Your wall antennas. behind you. Yeah, like it just, everything becomes alive. Um, and even when I'm out of the practice of writing, I have to like, I have a weekly prompt, I'm getting out on that Instagram, so I always have to keep my eyes open. Mm. Um, and so it's become a spiritual practice for me to do that and actually I've ended up in this line of work making money where I ran, <laughs> run all these random social media accounts mm-hmm. and it's all because Leslie said, hey, I really want you to do the fold. Um, and that was the first one I ever did. And then now it's what's providing for me and allows me to live a life I really enjoy so right cool. now. Really so cool.
0: It's really cool.
3: It's amazing how it all comes together, guys. It's a, it's a freaking gift.
0: There are no detours on God's road. hmm So one of the questions we always like to kind of wrap up with is, what's giving you life these days?
3: hmm I would say, I showed you guys this book before we started recording, but there's a book um, by Scott Erickson and Justin McRoberts called Prayer. And it's just um, these visuals and meditations put together. Um, and as the girl who isn't the youth group queen anymore, but I still love the pursuit of God, the seeking of the kingdom, and just seeing where it's already at work. Like I feel like I've been able to re-engage with it in a way that feels true to me. And to God into our relationship with that book, um, and I got to travel to the Pacific Northwest for the first time last week. And I like opened that book anytime I was sitting somewhere with a view, and it just anchored that moment for me. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's
0: cool. You want to share with our audience any any accounts, anywhere where they can hear your music or see any of your writing?
3: Yes. Um, so I'm not sure when this is being released, but I am releasing a single on September 20th, so that'll be out and that it's will be called, out Sweet. It's called Lead Me Home um, and it's super, super fun. So that's coming out. it'll be everywhere. Um, you can follow me at Instagram at Ashley Blanco, hence the confusion on my last name. Hmm. Um, but yeah, Ashley, white music on Facebook if you're still over there. Hmm. Um, and so yeah, here we are. Awesome. awesome
1: well thank you so much obviously we've we've known each other for a little while um, but probably got to know each other a little better just recently Mm -hmm. with uh, with youth you lead worship for our youth too you just seems like you lead worship wherever (laughs) wherever there's an open door and someone needs Mm -hmm. it which is pretty awesome so thank you so much Um, good luck with the music and um, appreciate your time today Mm -hmm. yeah
0: I know we wrote a halfway decent song once together oh, hopefully on not now. not the first yeah. well it was well, the first not the, the first. last oh. yes <laughs> not the
3: first, not the first. <laughs> we somehow wrote a song before
4: we ever good met good god was
0: that the first one we went <laughs> back in time <laughs>
3: <Da-da-da-da-da-da>. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys that. for how you're like digging into people's stories like it's important so thank you
0: well thanks so much We're for enjoying for, it yes we are thanks so much for for sharing your story and your heart with us uh, Mm -hmm. speaks a lot to just who you are as a person. We are so thankful to be friends and and know you.
1: Thanks for being an idiot.
4: And Wait. Was that a fat joke?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you can find us at Idiopod the number one on Twitter and on Facebook.
1: Yes, on on Facebook. It's Idiopod and that's I-D-I-O if you're Wondering,
0: P-O-D. And on P-O-D. Facebook, it's two words because that's first and last name, I guess. There you go. And on Insta- Instagram, on the Instagrams, it is just Idiopod. And obviously, all things Idiopod, you can always find on Idiopod.com. We are TJ Stone. Shane Glover. Thanks, guys.